Hello and welcome to the Lean Line podcast. I'm your host Chris Marshall. Hey, hello and we're back with another episode of There's Your Dinner. We will bring together a shared passion for football and a little bit of food. Um, we're just getting to know a familiar face from the world of Scottish women's football. And this time I'm joined by last season's SWPL2 joint top goal scorer. Um, there was a bit of controversy about that, Lisa. I think we'll talk about that in a wee bit. And current heart striker, Lisa Swanson. Lisa, thank you very much for coming on. Hi, are you doing all right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad at all. I mean, what what else can you be at the moment, eh? What else can you be? Uh, um, we're obviously recording at the moment. Jordan, I mean, there's so many words for it. And I think if you strange, unique, weird, but how's how's yeah. it life? How's life in lockdown been for you so far? Um, it's been okay. Um, I'm quite lucky that I'm still working just now. Um, I'm working from home though, so in that sense, I'm still kept busy. And then I'm still kind of training at night, just doing what I can do. So it's not been too bad for me so far. How, how have you found working from home? Uh, it's all right. Um, obviously, I start at nine, so I literally just get up at nine and start. So I don't have to travel. So that part of it's good. Um, we're getting quite a lot of admin work in just now, which is a wee bit kind of different to what I'm used to. So... Other than that, it's just it's basically normal, really. Yeah, um, it's a it's an interesting period for everybody, I think, at the moment. But yeah, I think having something to get up for yeah. in the morning is is not a bad thing at all. But um, yeah, we're, we're not we're not here to talk about your work though, so we won't dwell on that for too much. We won't dwell on that any longer. We are here to talk about your career in football, and Lisa, you've been around the game in Scotland for a wee while. I think that's fair to say. Um, but before we kind of look at your kind of career, what, what was your kind of first memories of football in terms of when you were growing up? But football in general, what, what's your thoughts? Um, as a kid, um, my earliest memory is just having a football at my feet like, since I could walk basically. Um, I used to play football just in the street. Um, just like where I lived in Solcoats. Um, my dad told me that um, like when we were younger, he used to take my brother and sister to Rangers games, but he said that I was never interested in going. And then I'm the one who turned out, obviously, the big Rangers supporter and the, the footballer. But I think at a young age, I was just more interested in playing it. And the kind of earliest memory I've got is like being at school in primary one. And just playing football with like everyone in my class and like my brother and that. So that's probably like my earliest memories. Um, you've you mentioned Rangers. I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that in a wee bit for for sure. Um, I think I think anybody knows who's listened to this probably knows that you're a Rangers <laughs> fan. So it's not we're not revealing any big secrets. I think in that one. Oh. In terms <laughs> of like getting started in the game, because obviously you mentioned that you're the one that kind of made it. How when did you start? Like in terms of getting joined into a club, how did that all kind of start out for you? Um, I never joined a team until I was about uh, 11 or 12. Um, before that, I went to like Rangers soccer schools. Um, my nana bought me that for my birthday when I was a kid. And I went up to Ibooks and trained for a week. But I was never really like, in a team or anything. Um, I signed for, it was a team called Soul Coach United. It was a boys team. And that was just like everyone in my class. And then I went into first year. And um I kept playing with them, but then I got to that age where I had to, like, I couldn't play in a boys' team for much longer. I had to go and find a girls' team. So from Solcoats United, I then went to play for Kilmarnock under 15s. That's when I was 13 years old, and then I stayed there for about three years before moving on. Did you, when you made that change from boys' club to to go into Kilmarnock, did did you notice a difference in terms of the type of football you were playing and just kind of the level and the people you were playing around? 
Um, I always remember like the boys boys football for me was it was a bit difficult because you like there was only me and another girl like Stephanie Breen who played on that team so we were only two girls so we kind of used to just get targeted a wee bit but I always remember my nana telling me she's like if they kick you just kick them ten times harder no. so that's what I did and then like from that like you kind of got respected a wee bit more. If you like, you were joining in just as much and being a wee bit more tougher. Um, so in that sense, it was probably more physical, even as a young kid. But technically, like wise, it was it was fine. In terms of when you had uh, joined Kilmarnock, what kind of, in terms of the women's game at that point, obviously it's it's accelerated so much in the last kind of mm-hmm. couple of years, in particular. At what kind of level, if you if you think back now when you joined Kilmarnock, do you kind of view that women's game at that time? Um, I'm sure when when I was at Command, like I think Command ladies were like the top team. Uh, I think they were winning everything. Um, I think that's the time where like Shelley Karen, I think she played with them. Um, yeah. Like they were all all, yeah. all the big names like in women's football were all at Command like at that time. Um, but obviously since then the standard has it's got a lot it's a lot better. Um, and I think as well. Just like the media around football now is obviously a lot better than what it was back then when I was a kid starting out. Yeah, I mean, see, even I don't know if you do this much yourself because you were involved in it, so you kind of have the memories here already. But whenever any time I try and look back to kind of find out some more about the history of women's football in Scotland, it's very difficult. Um, you kind of underestimate the power of the internet has had in the last kind of 20, 25 years, and yeah. it's not really there at the moment. But it makes it makes it more interesting when you do find something interesting out. Um, you mm-hmm. also mentioned that you left Kilmarnock and you signed for Rangers. Um, yep. You are a Rangers fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm guessing that you were quite buzzing by that. I, I, that was probably one of the best days of my life. Um, I remember I was in my nana's house, so I got a phone call. Um, but I was at a Scotland trial that day as well. And like, I did well at the Scotland trial and... That's probably one of the guess, best games I played was at that trial and I scored for like 30 yards out and then I didn't, you found out that day whether you were to come back or not. So I was told that I basically wasn't picked. I think, I, and I think a girl who was injured got picked before me so I was a wee bit annoyed. So mm. I went back down the road with my dad because it was up in Perth, the trial, and then I got back to my nana's house and I got a phone call and it was a number that I never knew. So I thought it was maybe the people like, for the Scotland trial phoning me. And then it was a guy called John McMonagall who phoned me and he was just starting up the Rangers team. I think his team were like taking over Rangers. Yeah. And I got a phone call um, for me to go up to Annie's Land like, for a, basically a, like, a Rangers trial. And from then, it was like a, like a summer camp we had to go to. And you just trained every day throughout the summer. And then by the end of it, that was me a signed Rangers player. So that's how that like that whole kinda happened. You spent eleven eleven years in total, is that right? At Rangers to get that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I'm I'm guessing there's lots of kind of highlights for you. Is there any that still stick out now when you kinda think back about that time? Um honestly, like I loved every every single second I was there. I loved it. Even the times where it was difficult, I still loved it because I was a Rangers player. And that was the most important thing in the world to me. Um, obviously, like when you beat, like playing in old firm games and beating Celtic, they're always like, a highlight. Um, 
But I think one of the other biggest highlights for me was when we played in a charity game down in Solcoats where I live. And it was my teammate, like my good friend Jenny Condit at the time, um, she de- like she decided I was going to be captain. So I got to be captain of Rangers in my hometown and my nana got to come along and watch me play for Rangers. So that's probably like my main highlight uh, like out my whole my whole eleven years at the club. I, I, I take it, and I, I feel the same when, I, when stuff happens like that for me, but I take it the fact that you could get your nana along to that game and obviously see how she delighted she was for you, I take it that really topped it off for you as well. That's where I get it from, I think, was my nana. She was the, the biggest Rangers fan I've ever met in my life, and I, I think I, I definitely get it from her. So, like, even like even me playing with Rangers, it wasn't just for me, it was for, like, my nana and, like, my family and just how proud they were of me, like for being a Rangers player. So, um, I would say that's one. Rangers obviously in the last kind of six, twelve months have put a bit uh-huh. lot, of, lot more focus on the women's team. Um, I, from experience, obviously gone to lots of games for lots of clubs over the last couple of years, and Rangers are the ones that always kind of we're curious about because they're obviously yeah. associated to Rangers, the, the kind of one of the biggest teams in Scotland, and. They, they, I don't know about your take on it, and, and this is maybe a question when asking that I'll probably look for an honest answer. Um, do you yeah. think that during that period you were there that Rangers kind of paid enough attention to the women's team? I, I think even Dave King even said that as well. Uh, we were basically neglected in a way. Um, but at the time, like when you're involved in it, you don't really see it that way because, especially for someone like me, like being a Rangers supporter so the way that like, you were kind of getting treated and things like that you just kind of put that to the side and just got on with it because end of the day like we were the ones representing the club like in the women's section and that's what we had to go and concentrate on it's only now like looking back you, you kind of think well we should have been like more involved in a way so uh, it's looking back it's a wee bit you wish you wish you got better than what you did, but at the same time, like when you were going through it, you didn't really care because you were the one who was part of Rangers Football Club at that time. Yeah, I mean, obviously at the summer, well, I say summer, winter is something I always trap myself up on here. But obviously during the winter, um, there's a, a lot of turnover in the squad. Do you think, um, I'm asking this as a Rangers fan as much as a, as a women's footballer, do you think that's something that the Rangers needed to kind of do if they were looking to make that next step? A hundred percent. It's something that um, I was kind of pushing for for about a good two or three years before it. I was on it, always on at them and always trying to get Rangers more involved. Like I would contact Rangers charity, just small things like that, just to get the women's team more involved and just to get us out there. Because obviously when you're out there and more people are talking about you, then more people are more than likely to come along to games and things like that. So... Um, it's about time it's happened, to be honest. Um, it's a long time coming, I think, but they've they've got it now, so it's just about pushing on from now, I suppose. And um, well, we'll talk about Hearts in a wee bit, but do you think the fact that Rangers and Celtic have kind of come to the party, for want of a better term, in terms of women's football in Scotland, do you think that's going to help drive other clubs on? I think it will, yeah. Um, obviously, like clubs like Rangers and Celtic, they've got the money there to do that, but I don't know if it is possible for the other teams to follow the other clubs. So I don't really know what's going to happen in that sense. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's kind of what I've just caught you off guard with, so apologies for that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're a spell at Rangers ended there. You signed for Kilmarnock and loan. What what kind of uh-huh. led to the situation where you moved back to Kilmarnock? Um, well, before that, um, I got my tenth year at the club in, I think it was 2017. And that's the same year that I went to Finland. So when I came back to Finland, um, I was doing really well. I was scoring goals and probably the fittest I've ever been because obviously you're playing as a professional. So um, I came back and I didn't expect to walk into the team like that, and I would never want that anyway. But I just started, I got my head down and started working hard and I eventually got myself back into the team, which was fine. And then <clears throat> after that, like at the time, the team were doing a huddle. And as a Rangers supporter, never mind a Rangers player, like, I didn't agree with that, um, and I kind of voiced my opinion on it. <clears throat> and I think from that, I don't, I don't, I don't know if like I maybe annoyed the manager or whatever by bringing that up or like refusing to do it. I would obviously stand with my team, but I just have my hands slipped behind my back. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be taking part in it. I don't know if that annoyed the manager, uh, and then obviously I spoke up about it, and then in the end it became like a massive team discussion. So from that moment, I was on the bench and I couldn't get back into the team. And I don't know if that's got anything to do with just the, my performances or if it was to do with me speaking up about doing this huddle. Um, so from that, I just ended up on the bench. And no matter what I was doing, I just couldn't get myself back in the team. So I asked for advice on what to do. And I was basically told like stuff I was already doing and stuff that I know I was focusing on anyway so I didn't really agree with that but I went and worked on it anyway and I still was on the bench and it got to a point where like other players from different clubs were coming up to me and asking me like what have you done by the way have you annoyed her or whatever and I just I didn't get involved in it I was just I got my head down and started working hard and still couldn't get in the team so I had another meeting about what I could do and asked for advice, and the advice I was given was, come on up, I've shown interest, so why don't you go on loan and go and play there? And at first I didn't really want to. Um, I felt as I was good enough to get in the Rangers first team. Um, I felt any time I was coming off the bench, I was making an impact. It got to the point people were coming up to me after games speaking about it, so I didn't really want to move on, but then after thinking about it and like speaking to a few people, I decided like I'm gonna go because I feel as if I had a point to prove as well. So that's how I ended up going on loan to Kilmarnock. You um, mentioned your your spell in Finland there, uh, playing for Ireland United. Uh, if I remember rightly, Ireland Islands is it a, like as a group of islands that Ireland United play on. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what What was your What was your experience there like? Um, it was brilliant, um, but for me, I was only ever going to go like for the three months. So I had from the summer like to the end of their season to go over and just try my best just to see what would come of it. Um, so I went over and if my very, very first game, I get my first, I think I get a red card on the 88th minute. So I was meant to play like six games, ended up missing one. And, but I had to adjust like very quickly because obviously I, I've been brought up at Rangers in Scottish football and then I'm coming over to Finland you, you can hardly put a tackle in without getting booked for it and mm-hmm. obviously I found that out very quick 
So I kind of had to adjust my game a wee bit. But other than that, like I wouldn't say the standard was like massively different. Obviously, over the year, you're you're a professional footballer, so your only only thing you have to worry about is doing well in training and then doing well in a game. It's not like over here where I go to work like nine to five, then I've got to rush to get to training, and then like and when you're a professional, you've got all the time in the world to like prepare for games, like eat properly, rest properly. So that was like the only massive difference. But in terms of like the football and that, it wasn't too much a difference. You um you obviously mentioned that you came back and signed for Kilmarnock and then 2019 you you were at Kilmarnock finished the season as SWPL2 joint top goalscorer. Uh, I remember uh-huh. the messages flying about a little bit as we were trying to figure out if you were or were not. <laughs> um, how how did you sum up your 2019 season at Kelly? Uh, I loved every minute of it. Um, I felt as if I was at a team now with a manager who cares about you and a team that won you to like, kind of do well. Um, that was probably one of the toughest years I've had in football in terms of like the competitiveness, like how competitive it was playing with Kilmarnock. Um, game to game, you could never call it, whereas obviously it might be different now, but in the top league, it was either City or Hibs. The rest will just give you a game, really. But um, in that league, from game to game, it was so competitive. And I think at one point, six teams could have won the league. Yeah. And this was going on week after week after week. So um, I probably learnt a lot as well um, with my time at Kilmarnock. Um, but that year, I, I loved every single minute of like being a Kilmarnock player. Do you think it? Um, do you think you did you after that like during that season? Did you see the value that you could kind of play in a, in a division where maybe you might not win anything, but actually if you drop down to a level where everything's so competitive, did that make it? Did that make open your eyes a little bit to maybe actually sometimes going down is, is as good as going sideways? Um, I definitely um like it's not a like it's not a negative thing like going down a league either. Um, you hear a lot of players saying, "Oh, I'd never, I never drop down a league," but I don't see any harm in it. As I said, like I, cause I played half a season at Rangers, half a season at Kilmarnock, and I felt it was more more competitive and more challenging playing with Kilmarnock than what I did with Rangers at the time. And as a player, that's what you want. Like That's only how you're going to improve as well if you're being challenged every week and it's difficult. Um, so it's definitely no harm in like, going down a league, especially like in terms of like, how competitive, uh, competitive it was. Obviously, end of the season, in um, season awards, you got to go pick up your trophy, which was which is always nice to do. Um did you have options at the end of the end of the last season then in terms of what you want to do next? I'm assuming the option you had an option to stay at Kilmarnock, but and you've moved on. What what was your kind of thought processes towards the back end of last season? Um, for me, like so, when I was on loan, um, when I went back to Rangers, I was basically told like you you did well because you were playing a league below, and I felt that was a wee bit disrespectful like, to the league as well, um, and I felt that was a wee bit having a wee dig at me as a player. Like, I've only did well because I've dropped a level. So, for me, um, I kind of seen this year as my last year in football. And I always said, no matter what, like, I want to finish my last year in football just having another go at the top league. Um, especially now, like, where Rangers are professional, Celtic are professional. Um, obviously, as a Rangers supporter, I missed playing against Celtic. Um, I didn't get to do that 
when I was uh, playing with Kilmarnock, so obviously not in our league. So I, I miss playing against Celtic. Um, I've been brought up in old term games like, for 11 years, so I miss that. Um, I miss like playing in a derby game again. So obviously you get hearts and hips. Um, and again with Kilmarnock, I didn't get that. And I feel I feel as well that I do kind of still have a point to prove. Maybe not to that specific person anymore, but more just for me. Um, like, can I do this? Like, am I good enough to still be playing in this league? Um, so that was kind of my thought process. And um, like leaving Kilmarnock. Otherwise, I would have just finished at Kilmarnock. Um, I was like doing well at Kilmarnock. The, the team at the time were brilliant. Everyone to be around was brilliant and. I just felt as if if this is going to be my last year in football, I want to have another go at the top league and just see how I go on. So, um, how how did the move to Hearts come about then? Obviously, Kevin Kevin Murphy's kind of come in along with Andy uh, from mm-hmm. that season. Um, how did the move to Hearts kind of come around? Um, I know Kev well. Um, anyway, like he was my manager at Rangers. Um, he just kind of just got into a conversation with him and. He kind of brought it up. Um, I don't think Kev thought um, I would have because obviously I'm down in Ayrshire and there I be up in Edinburgh. So obviously the travelling would be like the biggest issue. But I think if you're committed enough, then that doesn't matter. So once Kev kind of told me like the plans for Hearts and he knew that like I was committed enough, um, it kind of just went from there. And then I had a conversation with Kilmarnock. Um, and then in time they kind of let me go and then I got the opportunity to play with Hearts so that's just kind of how that happened You uh, mentioned that you you think you've got a bit of a point to prove in in SWPL in this season but Hearts have got quite a young squad obviously promoted themselves last campaign even though you're one of the newer players do you see yourself as kind of one of the kind of of quote-unquote leaders in the dressing room given your experience? Um. Despite it being a young team, there is a lot of leaders in there anyway, um, which is good. But obviously, like I'm like 28 now, so I come with a wee bit of experience. So I'll obviously try and use that like the best I can. But the younger players are driving me just as much as I'm trying to drive them. So although it is a young team, there is a lot of leaders in in that changing room. You've uh, started the season um, a defeat in the league against Rangers, funnily enough. But um, you, you've kind of started quite well in the SWPL Cup and you've managed to get a couple of goals yourself. Um, how have you viewed the kind of... I know we're not quite sure what's going to happen next, but in terms of the season as, as it is so far, how, how do you view your start to the campaign? Um, I, for, for us, I think we just need to take a game at a time. Um, obviously, like, we are new, a, a new team to this, like the top league. Um, I'm still kind of trying to get to know everyone as well. Um so I think for us, like just take it a game at a time. Like when we were training, like we were doing well, like everyone was starting to understand each other and how each other play and things like that. So towards like after the Rangers game and that, um back into training, everything was kinda just falling into place and then obviously this has happened. So just about kinda when we go back we just have to start off from where we left and just see how it goes. There's obviously been a, a lot of uh... A bit of an increase in media coverage as well. They had the Spartans mm-hmm. games on the telly. Heart Celtic was due to be the televised game the weekend where everything shut down. Um, yeah. You've already touched on it. Can you only see positives from the increased media coverage? 
I definitely because it gets like it gets people talking and then like more people take an interest and they'll want to come along and see what everyone's going on about I suppose and I think it helps as well with like the social media side of things just like things is getting put out there from like the the men's club then filter through to the women's club and so I think like the media coverage then it was massive in terms of like attracting a crowd at each game. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I've seen games where there's definitely been an increase, which is, which is progress. I think, I think maybe, and I'm interested to get your take on it. I think there's sometimes a bit of a case of just because there's not thousands of people there doesn't mean it's been progressing. When actually, a few yeah. hundred still good. Mhm. Um, yeah. In terms of yourself, you mentioned earlier on that you were viewing this as the last year, and I saw that. Uh, on Twitter a, a couple maybe about a month ago you were talking with, to somebody you'd mentioned that you didn't see yourself coaching in the game what's what's your long term ambition then kind of once once you've hung it up um I I don't I kind of I come and go with it sometimes um at times I I see myself coaching and other times I don't so I think when it comes to me like giving up football like retiring for playing I think. It will just be however I kind of feel it at that time. But right now, I don't see myself as a coach. Um, but that might change. Like I might miss it too much. Uh, or I, I don't know. Like I can't see myself coaching up at Rangers. So I don't really know like where I would go or anything. So um, in terms of that, I don't really... I don't really know what's going to happen, to be honest. Um, it's not something that I've properly sat down and thought about. Um football does like it does take up a lot of your time and things like that so I would have to it would have to be like the right club and like the right training nights and things like that if I was to like take it serious because I wouldn't like to get into coaching and then only be there like maybe once or twice a week or just being at half-hearted um so something like if I was serious about it I need to sit down properly and think about it and just give it everything if I was to get into coaching but Right now, like as a player, I don't see myself doing any of that just now. Could you see yourself carrying on for another season if the option presented itself? Well, I think the now with all this going on, um, I think I probably will. Um, as I said, I did view this as my last season, but obviously we've got a massive break in it now, and still like no one really knows what's going to happen. So I think. I think at the end of the season, like I'll know better, like what I'm going to do or, or what I'm not going to do. So I will. Cool. Well, we will we'll find out the decision to that at the end of the season, whenever that season starts and ends, <laughs> whatever season that is. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> before we wrap up, let's we'll do a little round of there's your dinner, just a few questions about food because I think it's always a nice way mm-hmm. to round things off. So, what's your what's your take on food? Are you a big foodie? I don't really eat that much to be honest. Um, I eat small. I, I can't sit down and eat like a massive meal, so I'll probably not be very good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> I know, everybody has a different relationship with food, so that's not a problem at all. It's not about everybody <laughs> loving gourmet feasts. So, um, in terms of, in terms of, well, you, you mentioned you eat small. So does that is that kind of the same when you're training and when you're not training, or do you have a, a different? Do you have like a, a plan in place for when you do stuff when you are in training mode? Um, I think I think was like you're on the go all the time, like for going for work to training. I think I've just got into that habit over the years. Um, 
So when I was up and down, like, to Rangers, I couldn't drive or anything, so I was literally on public transport, so I'd have to, that's the times where I would eat, and I think I've just kind of got into that habit. Right, I've got an hour, I've got an hour and a half to get there, so I'm going to take this to you on the way. So that's kind of, I think I've just got into that habit. What's, uh, one of the things I always like to ask in this bit is what, what do you have for breakfast in the morning? So what what do you have in the breakfast? Do you have breakfast to continue to say you eat small? Sometimes, I think, like, with hearts now, like, we've got um, like a nutritionist and things like that, and there's times where you've got to, like, send in what you're having, so... On a morning where I know I need to send it in, I'll make sure I eat something. Um, but it's usually <laughs> just like or something, so it's, it's nothing, nothing like fancy or anything. Um, have you got? If you were to um, be abandoned on a desert island with your favourite food, what what would it be? Um, I don't know. Uh, I I eat chicken like twenty four seven. I eat that a lot. Um. So probably checking and something. I don't know. Something that would keep me going. Something that keep you going. Is there anything you, if you are uh, left on a desert island and there was one food and it was the food you hate the most in the world and you just feel like that, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go hungry. Don't care. Is there anything you, you really don't enjoy? Um, what do I think? Um, I don't like haggis. Don't like haggis. I don't like that. Any reason for it? I just, nah, I just don't like it. Don't like the look of it or anything. So I'd probably say that. Probably say that. Have you tried it? I've tried a little bit and I just, nah, I didn't ever want to see it again. So when you said the look of it, I thought you were going to be uh, somebody who was kind of just wrote something off before trying it. So you've tried it. So I absolutely feel uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> if you didn't enjoy it. Right, one of the questions I always ask, um, Tannocks make four products, the Snowball, the Caramel Log, the Tea Cake and the Caramel Wafer. If you had to pick one, uh, which one would you pick? One to eat? Yeah. So you're, you're um, tea Cake, I think. I'll go for that. What What keeps that one ahead of the rest of them? I probably eat that the most out of the four options, so and I'll go for that. Do you do anything mad with the wrapper? You know how people sometimes fold us or roll up in the balls? I just throw it away. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I always think, whenever I ask this question and somebody says tea cake, I always think of the still game sketch. This is getting very Scottish if, you, if you're not listening to <laughs> Where they either like, flat or roll into the wee balls and flick at each other. Um, so I always, I always like to ask that question. Um, last one then. <laughs> If you say things were to go well and like Hearts were to shot the world and win the league or win a cup this season and you were organising the big team night out, where where would you take them? Um, down to Salkos. Down to Salkos. Anywhere <laughs> in particular? Just going around all the pubs in Salkos. That would open their eyes to a few things that would I take them down there. Sounds good. Uh, night out in Salkos. I've heard some interesting reviews on nights in salt coats so um, I'm sure the, the team will absolutely love that but um, Lisa thank you very much for coming on I know worries thank you um, and thank you very much for listening remember you can follow Leading the Line at Leading the Line on Twitter um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes Google Podcasts SoundCloud Spotify all the usual places please fire out some, some five star reviews that'd be awesome it just helps the podcast get bigger um, but until next week stay safe and thank you very much for listening